For 25 years, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. What's up, fraud stands? I'm Cena Gazdavi. Justin Williams is here as always. Welcome back to Fraudsters. Uh, make sure to hit us up on the community app number 412-285-1255. I've been asking people for advice. I've been asking people for tips. We're going to have a happy hour next month probably sometime. We're going to have merch. You're going to have exclusive access to our early merch whenever that comes out. We still have to make the designs for the t-shirts. If you're a t-shirt designer, you want to make a t-shirt for us? Hit us up on the on the text line, 412-285-1255. Justin, what's up? Yeah, I, I can't wait. I'm getting ready to get added to the text line, so I'm looking forward to being added on there. And I uh, also want to announce we're going to have a residency program where I will <laughs> just come and live in a listener's house for three weeks unannounced <laughs> and maybe not even three <laughs> weeks consecutively. So just... Keep your eye out. You know, you might be the winner of that contest. Exactly. And we'll all make sure they get vaccinated before we come up. Maybe we will. Maybe we won't. That's going to be on you, though. Maybe we'll just tell you we're vaccinated and still show up anyways. This is fraudsters, after all. <laughs> I got the Bill Gates vaccine straight to the neck, so I'm good. <laughs> all right. So today we're going back for another trip down memory lane or more accurately, your great, great grandparents memory lane. I don't know. Fraud stands. We're going to talk about Sir Gregor McGregor, the 1800s fraudster who created a fake country and brought hundreds of people to it. We'll find out what happened to those people at the end of the show. I think this fraudster has a wonderfully interesting background. Gregor McGregor was born in 1783. He is the grandson of Rob Roy McGregor, not Braveheart. Rob Roy was another guy. Rob Roy was a different outlaw played by Liam Neeson in the movie Rob Roy. <laughs> you are damned, McGregor. Damned to hell. <laughs> Come here, Lordship. Give the devil some work. You've done enough for one day. Now, just to be sure, this is a different story than the Scottish Highlands of 1536 when Conor MacLeod entered his first battle with the Kurgan. I am Conor MacLeod of the Clan MacLeod. There can be only one. I am immortal. <laughs> but what historians say is that Rob Roy lived farther north than Gregor, so he probably didn't get to be around his grandfather too much. But I'm sure he heard the stories. And we do know that Gregor had at least one sister, a father who was constantly abroad as a merchant for the East India Trading Company. And so this means that at home, Gregor, because he was the only man around, which at that time 
meant that the women of the house, again, at least one sister, a mom, they all probably catered to him endlessly. I could only imagine the privilege that he felt with every step without even even knowing it. As the son of a merchant, he was privy to a lot of other perks as well, like going to school from the age of five, learning English, math, bookkeeping, what a riveting school this was, and probably geography and Latin. Imagine the wealth gap in the Scottish Highlands in the late 1700s, early 1800s. And this kid grew up like a little Scottish prince in his own home. He probably had like the, you know, hair that was braided with the little bows in it. (laughs) Historians also believe that he spoke French and that he was able to survey land based on the frauds that he committed. And, And this will become a little bit clearer as we go into the actual frauds that he did later in his life. In 1803, at 16, he enlists in the military in Guernsey, an island in the English Channel. Also, like, why was it, is it fun there? I mean, it seems just like a cold and rainy island. Like, who would want to, like, party on the English Channel? I've never, never heard of that. Justin, would you do that? No, don't knock it till you try it. I've been to Guernsey, and the senior frogs of Guernsey is the best place for a mug of ale in the entire English Channel. (laughs) Well, McGregor in the military is actually great at being a soldier. He's in this 1st Battalion, and he gets promoted to lieutenant within a year, when it normally would have taken three years. And most of the time, you have to actually buy your way into that position, or again, wait three years. Apparently, his superiors thought that he had a quick mind and supreme confidence, which I guess is the making of a good leader. (laughs) It's actually rumored that the famed General Percy Miller thought that there was no limit to McGregor's potential as a soldier. Make him say, oh! It's a no-limit soldier. (laughs) The British military was also expanding rapidly at that time, Justin. So this kind of makes sense that they were getting ready for Napoleon. They needed more leaders in positions of power. So that must have had something to do with it, but still... He had to show some sort of real talent to be promoted like that so quickly. So now he's hot shit, and I I know I made fun of Guernsey, but it's supposed to be a very cool place. And when he was on leave, he had, you know, he had that drip. Am I using that correctly? He was dressed very well with fancy clothes. Is that, am I using that? Is that the right way to use that word, drip? Yep. He was dipped. He was fresh to death. (laughs) Thank you. So there's this um, amazing book by David Sinclair called Sir Gregor McGregor and the Land That Never Was. And I'm going to read some excerpts from this book that really are firsthand accounts of people observing Gregor McGregor in and during his military days and his military campaigns uh, throughout his career. And here's a little bit about Gregor and his drip. The infantry officer's uniform with its scarlet coat, gold braid, splendid embroidery and metallic thread acted as a magnet to the opposite sex. (laughs) Yeah, Prince and Michael Jackson agree because that was the same outfits they were wearing. (laughs) Exactly. There you go. They they both had that drip. So while Gregor's got the drip, he meets his wife, Maria Bowater. Her father and uncle were were high-ranking people in the military. She lived in the fancy Hampton Court. I feel like that should be Hampton Court by Marriott. I don't know, maybe. (laughs) Once they were married by June of 1805, all of a sudden, McGregor, 
The kid who was pampered by his mom and sisters, who got all the wonderful education of a wealthy kid, and who excelled in the military, had now married into the Kardashians of the 1800s. Oh my god, I've got scurvy. (laughs) By this point, Napoleon was on the move, and McGregor, being a lieutenant, was called back into duty. But this time, his family bought him the rank of captain for 900 pounds. That, in the 1800s, that's over 70,000 pounds in today's money, which is about nearly 100,000 U.S. dollars. Which is also roughly equal to what Lori Laughlin spent to get her kid into USC. Full house, cut it out. (laughs) Okay, so he's now got this fancy rank, and he gets sent to Gibraltar to wait for Napoleon to invade. Now, Gibraltar is at the tip of Spain, and the peninsula is actually the territory of the British Empire. That tip is very close to Morocco. But just the tip. Okay, yes, just the tip. But for four years, McGregor sat there doing nothing. A lot of Napoleon talk, but no Napoleon. He's a captain this whole time, and Gibraltar is nice. This is when he starts to visibly change, because I think he was bred to be a fraudster from an early age. Here he is with this power. He becomes really into the idea of position and status. One of his military comrades, apparently this guy hated him as well, but you technically call him a comrade, had this to say about him. Again, from uh, Sinclair's book, McGregor was spoiled by prosperity. And his versatility and haughtiness of disposition soon overturned his flattering prospects. Apparently, he got really into dress and fashion, all about the rank, and he would create these honorary badges and tokens for himself. Yeah, that's kind of like Edie Amin, who went by His Excellency President for Life, Field Marshal Al-Hajj, Dr. Edie Amin Dada, VCDSO, MC, CBE, Lord of all the beasts of the earth and fishes of the seas, and conqueror of the British Empire in Africa in general, and Uganda in particular, and of course, the last king of Scotland. Oh, I didn't know he got a graduate degree. <laughs> he actually had a fifth grade education. but <laughs> He also ordered all of his troops to be dressed in full regalia all the time, especially when they were outside of their quarters. And they had to use a fancy walking cane when they were doing it, too. And they couldn't talk to the battalion men unless it was to a superior. So these guys were fancy boys with canes dressed to the nines that couldn't talk to, like, the grunt soldiers because they weren't dressed properly. But, of course, respect your superiors. <laughs> I'm just imagining a bunch of Captain Crunch-looking guys, like, bowing to each other. <laughs> like, this is the worst <laughs> army in the world. <laughs> I don't even understand, like, how... Oh, fuck. I gotta fucking dress up again. Fuck this guy. I can, I can like, only do, Hi, I'm Scottish. That's it. Hi, <laughs> laddie, I'm Scottish. <laughs> okay, so this whole time, it seems like he does make it back to see his wife periodically. And we think that she did come to Gibraltar here and there. But in July of 1809, four years after getting married, he's finally called up to help out in the fight against Napoleon. They get in their ships and land in Lisbon, Portugal, which is a relatively easy trip northwest by boat. 
By the time they get there, though, the fight had moved inland and McGregor had to bring his crew. Now, this is when things get weird. Apparently, during this time, McGregor goes and joins up with the Portuguese army who is fighting alongside the British there. Why? Because apparently he got into a verbal spat with his superior officer and was quickly whisked away to the Portuguese army with a paper promotion to keep him quiet. So this guy was obviously of some sort of status to where they couldn't just fire him, but they had to almost give him a paper promotion to just keep him away from anything of value, but also make sure he doesn't call any of the people that he's well-connected with, like his in-laws. But by April 1810, McGregor straight up requests to sell out from the military because he doesn't like the Portuguese army either, and he's out of there with 1,350 pounds. And that's the equivalent of over 106,000 pounds in today's money, which in U.S. dollars is about $147,000 to just sell your country out and just bounce? They paid him to leave? Ah, oh, that's just unreal. That's the worst loss for Portugal until its soccer team lost 0-10 to to England in 1947. Goal! Okay, so he goes back to the United Kingdom to be with his wife without a sense of failure at all. He doesn't really think he screwed up. He doesn't think that he abandoned anybody. He's just back, just living that good Kardashian money life. But after a summer on the English Channel, he decides to go to London to start fresh. This time as a sir. What? Yes. Sir Gregor McGregor. His guardian, Sir John McGregor Murray, will pass along his estate to Gregor as part of the McGregor clan. Sir McGregor, of course. What? Yeah, it's all a lie. But no one cared to ask anything. A fancily dressed man oozing with confidence. No one's going to think otherwise. Who lies about something like that? Yeah, it's like, uh, you know, how ZZ Top was talking about getting ladies because they were sharp dressed men. But like if they didn't like have women next to them or like those cool cars, people would think they were terrorists or like homeless people. I will just say very clearly that ZZ Top today are at the Capitol on January 6th. Because <laughs> <laughs> every girl's crazy if we're a seditious man. <laughs> like 47-minute guitar solo. Okay, so in December 1811, Maria McGregor passes away. Obviously, her family didn't want to foot the bill anymore for McGregor. I don't know what the Kardashians are going to do in case they funded Kanye's life, because I don't think he has $6.6 billion without the Kardashians, by the way. I don't think he has $6 billion with anything. I think Forbes issued that they were off by about $5 billion on that one. <laughs> Did they correct that? Yeah, yeah. God. But the worst part is, though, Justin, he spent all of her money anyways, not Kanye, McGregor. <laughs> so instead of chasing after a new sugar mama he decides to chase after glory in london there's talk of general francisco de miranda in south america revolting against the spanish at the same time and now this is truly truly failing up he comes into an actual inheritance from his grandfather and the estate they had in scotland made him some money 
So there he goes. He pulls together what he has and goes to Caracas, Venezuela in April 1812. But this time, he's not going as the heir to a Scottish lord. He's going as Sir Gregor McGregor, Knight of the Portuguese Order of Christ. (laughs) Ah, yes, that reminds me of my alternate name. Sir Justin Williams, Knight of North Newark, Lord of Branchbrook Park, Duke of the Path Train, Vassal of Lower Manhattan. (laughs) So how does this newly fake knighted fraudster roll into Venezuela? This guy rolls straight in and demands an audience with General Miranda. So remember when McGregor sold out from the military and made all that money? Well, his unit would go on to have some major victories and were subsequently called the Diehards. Everyone knew about them, yes. Uh, very famous. They were under the leadership of John McClain. Yeah, exactly. Of the Clan McClain. Yeah, yeah. So, so McGregor, knowing just enough about the Diehards to call himself one, gains the trust of Miranda. And Miranda appoints him as a cavalry officer in his army to fight against the Spanish. So he's failed up and now militarily appropriated status in front of Miranda. Not only does this lucky son of a bitch lie his way to getting an officer position, but he gets married again. In 1812, he marries Josefina Antonia Aristaguete y Llover. While she wasn't wildly wealthy, she had a connection with someone important. Josefina is cousins with... Drumroll, please. Simon Bolivar. (laughs) (laughs) The father of Latin American independence. (laughs) So fucking... Are you fucking kidding me? This man's entire life is filled with historical figures I did not pay attention to in middle school. Yeah, I'm pretty sure this guy is also a bit character in Hamilton somehow. (laughs) For 25 years, nothing has tasted better after a hard day's work than a Mike's Hard Lemonade. It's because since day one, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. We use three kinds of lemons, all handpicked from family farms then blended to perfection in cold press to create the epic hard lemonade you know and love. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. 
On this episode of Plant Killers, we'll explore One Nation's most notorious fruit and vegetable killer, Bad Dirt. What makes Bad Dirt so bad? The answer, the ingredients. But fear not, true crime enthusiasts. This story has a happy ending. New miracle Grow organic raised bed in garden soil. It's made with quality organic ingredients from upcycled green waste like compost and aged bark. Unlike the other guys who can't say the same. Looks like Bad Dirt's murdering days are over. Thanks to miracle Grow. Join us next time on Plant Killers. So while Venezuela would be the first Spanish colony to to declare independence in 1811, and they even wrote a constitution, they were they were legit. They didn't succeed. Several military losses, as well as an earthquake, rocked their forces and forced Miranda to negotiate a surrender. But fret not, Frontstens. We haven't even gotten to the mate of this bad boy yet. Having missed his chance at glory with Venezuela and Miranda, in 1813, McGregor volunteers for the former Spanish province, New Granada, which is basically present-day Colombia. By this point, New Granada is governed by small republics of military juntas. Now, Bolivar doesn't pay much attention to McGregor at first. But McGregor is able to rise in the ranks by repping his relationship with Miranda. And of course, he's a knight. So much so that he ends up being put in charge of around 1,200 troops of the new Granada army. He taught them some European military discipline, but a lot of the troops hated him. One letter from a former soldier, again, this is from Sinclair's book, said, I am sick and tired of this bluffer or quixote. Or the devil knows what. This man can hardly serve us in the new Granada without heaping tens of thousands of embarrassments upon us. Oh, how right this man would be. And how about Bluffer being the sick burn of the 1800s, huh? They're in poker tournaments. That's where the worst, it's the worst insult. <laughs> yeah. Bolivar would go on to invade Venezuela, take Caracas, but lose it within a year because he didn't mount a decisive military attack against the Spanish after he won. The Spanish would, of course, go on to lay siege on Cartagena in New Granada, where McGregor was supposed to be defending, but it was too much. He, along with other officers, went to Jamaica for refuge because they got shook by the Spanish. There, him and Josefina were given hospitality by the British elements there. McGregor apparently even told people that he lost two children in the siege of Cartagena as if being a knight and a war hero wasn't enough. They actually found his kids. They were just at the local game stop, though. <laughs> During their stay there, Bolivar builds an army to again go against the Spanish. He wants to take back Venezuela. So they rush the beaches in a place called Acumar, which is like a port city on the coast. But Bolivar's plan suffers and he leaves, just bounces. And when he leaves, he also leaves McGregor and his men, not on purpose, but he leaves them behind. It was just a really bad retreat. So McGregor, with about 1,200 men that he's in charge of, has to retreat himself. So somehow, he manages to successfully retreat with the Spanish on his heels. This is actually a truly heroic thing he did. He used his wit and managed to think of different ways to outsmart the Spanish that were chasing him. One of the things he did was he marched through marshland, so thick marshland, so that the Spanish cavalry and their horses would get stuck. 
He used the jungle as cover, and he attacked at night and in certain places to surprise the Spanish so that he could keep moving. Akumar would be his black album. He traveled with all of these troops from Akumar to Barcelona, Venezuela. I know. How many Barcelonas could there be? Well, there's Vicky and Christy. <laughs> oh, my God. So I put this in Google Maps from Akumar to Venezuela walking. It's over 300 miles. So imagine 300 miles with an entire army trying to chase and murder you. Dude, this dude got minted. He literally faked it till he made it like Eugene from Walking Dead. <laughs> yes. Now, fresh off this win, McGregor thinks he's going to get all the praise in the world. But he's waiting for it, and it never comes. I mean, news does travel slowly and apparently too slow for McGregor, but he actually retires from the New Granada Army. Bolivar hears about this and writes him a letter begging him to stay. Please stay. And I'm going to read this letter because it's amazing. And this is again from Sinclair's book. It's so good. To the worthy Major General Gregor McGregor, I have the satisfaction to inform you of my arrival on the last day of the old year with part of the immense resources I have obtained for the purpose of definitively saving the Republic. One of the first steps in establishing our position must be to reward your notable services by promoting you to the rank of Major General and by conferring upon you the Order of Liberators and express to you my greatest thanks in the name of the mother country. It only remains for you to return to our country in order to continue its defense and to offer further proof of its resolution to complete this glorious enterprise in the love of absolute freedom and independence. This is like Rush Limbaugh getting the fucking Medal of Freedom, people. But what's beautiful here is that McGregor never got the letter. He was gone before it got to him. Should have sent that shit UPS, man. Then I signed sincerely, the one who loves you dearly. P.S. Love me tender. The letter came back three days later. Returned to cinder. Damn. <laughs> she keeps on passing me by. But McGregor wanted more than a title or a medal. He wanted power and wealth. So he hears actually about an opportunity in Florida. <laughs> Doesn't everyone? Spanish Florida, that is then. And he devises a plan to try to take a portion of land from the Spanish there. So he goes to, of all places, my hometown, Pittsburgh, to recruit mercenaries. And, you know, I think it's probably just as easy to recruit mercenaries then as it is today in Pittsburgh, especially when you're a war hero. You just go down to Permanis, get a couple iron cities. You got some boys that will come knock a fool at. <laughs> <laughs> So, of course, it's easy to recruit these mercenaries. He's a Portuguese knight, a Venezuelan hero. News wasn't fake then. I mean, unless it was actually extremely fake. But no one really read the news or cared. He promised these guys that if they helped him, they would get title to land in the new Florida. It's like, yes, if you follow me, I will give you Orlando. <laughs> This little conquest is a little fuzzy. Here's what historians at least think what happened. McGregor asserted that he was commissioned by the United States with some money to take possession of Florida on behalf of New Grenada. 
with an unspoken agreement with the Spanish that they would let it happen. He also said that he had a daily meeting with the U.S. Secretary of State, James Monroe, and the Spanish ambassador, and that they agreed to all of this. They apparently agreed that McGregor should take Amelia Island off the east coast of Florida, which after McGregor took it, he would hand it over to the Americans immediately. Why the Spanish were willing to just give up a portion of their territory, I'm not sure. But there are State Department archives, though, that authorized McGregor in 1817 to take possession, not just of Amelia Island, but of East and West Florida. But these docs are not signed by the U.S. Secretary of State, but by Venezuela, New Grenada, Argentina, and Mexico. James Monroe would have been the person to sign on these, but he was abroad at the time. Either way, our government's fingerprints are all over this. What's weird, though, is that later the U.S. government would deny everything. But you know what? Let me correct myself. It is not weird that the government of our country denied everything after they greenlit some fucking idiot to go take some land in Florida from the Spanish. And we weren't quite ready to take everything from the Spanish yet. That would come later in the Spanish-American War. <laughs> it was almost like like McGregor was like an appetizer, just like warm him up down there. I don't know. So with this elaborate story, McGregor gets his mercenaries from Pittsburgh and funding from places like New York and South Carolina to outfit his ship and troops. In June of 1817, McGregor gets one ship and a crew of 60 men and sails to Amelia Island, Florida. Slaves. <laughs> yeah, just saying, you know, the South Carolina part. It's like slaves. <laughs> a crew of 60 men, slaves. <laughs> So terrible. 100% true. What's funny here is that McGregor didn't own the land he was even offering to these guys. I don't know why people just believe when people say shit like this. I, I mean, if you're dressed well enough. But when they arrive on Amelia Island, okay, they're going to lay siege to Amelia Island. It's 1 p.m. in the afternoon. It's fucking too hot for a siege. You can't siege midday in East Florida. So they don't attack. They wait until nightfall. Lord, please. What is also important here is that Amelia Island at the time was pretty lawless and had a bunch of pirates, gamblers, and other criminals there. I heard that Pittsburgh has pirates. They do have pirates, Justin. Thank you. Yes. Pirates and stealers. That's what I said it's a city of. And they have a nice igloo of penguins. And in the 90s, they had the piranhas <laughs> in the CBA. So <laughs> dangerous. Look out. So, Amelia Island is covered with these bad guys. So I say that so that you know that there was not an organized resistance. When McGregor and his men run in at night, everyone's, first of all, probably hammered. And they all get scared and they leave. They just run away. You know, not because they're afraid of McGregor, but because they all thought that there was a huge army, a.k.a. the Americans, behind them. This is like the Muppets take Amelia Island. <laughs> of course, this guy doesn't go on to conquer the rest of Florida. Here's what one of his colonels said, Colonel Rafter, again from Sinclair's book. Elated with the facility of his conquest and satisfied that he had merely to express his to produce order from confusion, he yielded to the natural indolence of his disposition and gave himself up to those intemperate and unusual enjoyments which seemed to be so necessary to his existence, and the absence of which 
was the sole punishment capable of making an impression of his apathetic mind. I, that is a very difficult paragraph to listen to, but let me tell you what this fucking dude did. He was drinking mojitos on the beach. He did fuck all. He did not put on an attack on East and West Florida. He did not take it over from the Spanish and hand it over to the, Mar- of the Americans. He did fuck all. Yeah, you remember uh, in the Avengers when like Thor was just chubby and shirtless? This is what he was living like. This is exactly it. This is it. But what he did do was he changed Amelia Island to the Republic of East Florida. And he even prints his own money. Man, this guy made his own cryptocurrency. And he tried to pay these guys in his own money. <laughs> this did not work very well. By September, he realizes the scam is running out of legs and gets in his boat with whatever money he has left and bounces. Now, which is the fraud that we're covering here? Yeah, it, it, so it's weird. This guy did so much justice. But but this next one is what the book is all about and what made this guy famous. This whole episode is a cat's delicatessen pastrami on rye. All meat, baby. Oh, my God. I just got homesick. So we're going to move forward in time a bit to April 1820. And, yes, we are skipping some stuff like how he went and proceeded to do the same Amelia Island con in Panama and in Venezuela. What happened to Bolivar, though? When he heard what he did in Florida, he ordered that if McGregor ever sets foot in South America, he should be shot. And what's great is around the time he was leaving is when he finally received Bolivar's really sweet letter, but just in time to find out that he also had the order to be shot on sight. So that's great. (laughs) Okay, let's see. uh, Junk mail, junk mail, junk mail. Uh, Oh, this is from Simon Bolivar. Okay. If you come back to South America, we will shoot you in the face. Ooh. You hear that, guys? Mm. Ooh, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. Yeah, we got to go. Got to go. Got to (laughs) go. So in April 1820, he meets George Frederick Augustus, the party boy king of the Mosquito Sambu. Or what we would known, or what we would know as Honduras. At the time, it was British Honduras, and this guy loves him so much that he deeds him eight million acres of tribal land. It's me, the bro of British Honduras, Mosquito Sambu. Love you, bro. I'm gonna <laughs> give you eight acres of this tribal land because you're just totally awesome to party with and drink mojitos with. It's like. For 25 years, nothing has tasted better after a hard day's work than a Mike's Hard Lemonade. It's because since day one, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. We use three kinds of lemons, all hand-picked from family farms, then blended to perfection in cold press to create the epic hard lemonade you know and love. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix.
Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Napa! Silence is golden, especially when it comes to brakes. That's why Napa Silent Guard are built to be one of the smoothest and most quiet brakes on the market. Made with fiber-reinforced shims that eliminate noise for the life of the pad. Rubber-coated hardware for a better fit and quality design that meets and exceeds OE performance. Silent Guard brakes deliver the stopping power drivers demand. Available now at Napa locations nationwide. This is the Voltron of cons for McGregor. All of the component parts come together to do this final mega con. Around 1821, George IV is coming into power, okay? And there's all these balls and parties happening. Dignitaries from all over the world are there. And of course, with everyone there, they didn't notice that the first sovereign prince of the state of Poyas and his dependencies and Kazakh of the Poyas nation was there as well. Too bad the Poyas nation didn't exist. It was just McGregor making shit up out of thin air. No one questioned this. Why? Well, in 1821, there was a surge of new countries that popped up like Mexico, Peru, Chile, Paraguay. So to the Brits, it's just another country from a land that they didn't know, and that seemed fine. I mean, he dressed nice, and, you know, they all kind of speak Spanish. Okay, that's fine. And Oh, oh but he's related to Simon Bolivar. Okay, sign him up. Let's go. Yes, please, please make way for the Lord of East 125th Street, <laughs> Lord Santiago. <laughs> but this was only the start. This guy built an entire metaverse for Poyas using a pen name, Thomas Strangeways, he created a tour guide for his fake country. So I'll read a little bit from Sinclair's book. This is an actual newsletter that he put out, like a tour guide for people that were coming to Poyas, or he was trying to recruit people to come to Poyas to really build the con out here. Poyers, it shall be my constant study to render you happy and to exert myself in improving your situation by every means in my power. The territory of Poyas shall be an asylum only for the industrious and honest. None others shall be admitted among us. And those, I trust you, will receive with open arms as brothers and fellow citizens. So what's amazing about just that little bit there is that it's the classic move of a fraudster of saying only trustworthy people should be allowed. Ruja Ignatova, what did she say in her actual event? If you want to do crime with our cryptocurrency, our coin is not for you. We will all, we will be transparent. We will be honest. This guy's doing the move, and it's 1821. I mean, bullshit is timeless, people. And of course, on top of this, he said there was no tropical disease in Poyas and that you could grow crops three seasons of the year. Yeah, that sounds. That's a very unrealistic promise if people are familiar with the 1800s. Where it's like, <laughs> oh, you can come live in the tropics, and there are no diseases, and everything is awesome. <laughs> there are no mosquitoes. 
Oh, and it's also not hot. Yeah, <laughs> it's not super hot for like no reason for many hours out of the day. But you bring up a good point. Who would possibly believe this? Well, he is from Scotland after all, and this is where we get to victims. What is embedded in the history of that part of the world? Well, it's not feeling like you have your own land. They feel like they don't have their own direction. So, of course, a vulnerable population, eager for self-determination, is ready to jump in headfirst with McGregor and his sale of plots of land of Poyas. McGregor would tell them that the land would provide everything for them and everything they needed for life. They could start anew. By 1822, some Scots had actually started to go to Poyas. They got a ship and they started leaving. And Gregor is even able to get money for Poyas from banks. So he goes and he shows them the records of people giving him some money. And when you can do that, when you got contracts of people giving you money for plots of land, the banks could be like, well, this, I, never, I never really heard of uh, Poyas before. Well, it looks, looks real. Look at these Scots believe. It looks like you got some money for it. Well, we'll give you a loan. We'll give you a bunch of money. No problem. This motherfucker opens consulates across the United Kingdom to beef up the con. He's getting stacks of bonds from banks everywhere, people lending him money to, to build out Poyas. Can you imagine if we just rolled into the United Kingdom and just started making embassies for Fraudistan? I'm just like, all you people just have to give us enough crypto bucks. <laughs> We've got these <laughs> fraud coins that keep getting paid in them. Come on. Yeah, we'll get you a boat ride to ZZ Best Republic. Exactly. So the second boat now leaves in January of 1823, okay? But just a few months earlier, in November of 1822, the first boat arrives in Poyas. And they were told that when they approached Poyas, they were to fire off a couple gunshots in the air to let the Poyas Navy know that they had arrived and that they would need to be, you know, uh, ushered to the shore. This is actually how I enter the club. Every time I come into the club, <laughs> I let two shots off <laughs> just to let security know to bring me straight to my VIP table. <laughs> but yo, much <laughs> Oh my God. But okay, so I, I mean... No surprise here, people. There's no fucking navy. There's no boat that comes out. So they're just sitting right there on this boat, <laughs> and they like oh. shooting into the air <laughs> for no reason. So sad. <laughs> <laughs> you know they're on the boat. Like, no, I'm sure they'll come. <laughs> I'm sure they'll be coming. In the giant expanse of the the fucking Atlantic Ocean. They're just shooting into the air. <laughs> Like, no, no one's gonna know. It'll be fine. Maybe they're just on lunch break. I'm sure it'll be fine. I'm sure you know the unions and everything. They gotta have a lunch break. <laughs> so instead, there's no. They got one of those guns where it takes them an hour to load for every shot. They're like, really, really. <laughs> guy's arms getting tired from pumping the ball down to shoot in the air. So they obviously have to go to shore themselves and they land on a beach called Mosquito Shore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. Jesus is right. The captain of the boat 
drops them off, and is like, yo, I'm going to go find Poyas, and I'll be back. You guys stay here. Have a Mai Tai. I'll be back. This dude comes back and says, hey, I can't find Poyas. There is no Poyas. And everyone on the beach, you know, is acting like this guy's drunk or something. It's like there's obviously a Poyas. A hundred people are there. And they had to sit there on this beach waiting in the hot sun. And then it rained. A heavy rain. And if you've ever been in a tropical climate with humid temperatures and heavy rain, what happens after a heavy rain? How does this beach get its name? The mosquitoes have basically the equivalent of a Vegas all-you-can-eat buffet. I mean, yellow fever, malaria, fucking everything. One by one, children, grandparents, everyone starts to fucking die. All told, of the 200 that arrived between the two ships, two-thirds died of disease. The only reason it wasn't more is because the, a British Honduran ship was sailing by and noticed a bunch of people on Mosquito Shore and was like, what the fuck are you guys doing over there? From then on, the Royal Navy actually had to post up ships there to intercept inbound Scots from coming into what they thought was Poyas. If the British Navy wasn't there, guys, there could have been more than a thousand people that died. And of course, McGregor... Oh, he's out of here. He bounced out. He's in London. And somehow, because news travels as fast as it does in the early 1800s, he's able to continue this con, getting more money from 1823 to 1838. More banks gave him money. People in Europe couldn't comprehend a lie this big. They all still believed in Poyas. He moves to Paris and you know what the old Frenchies did over there? They gave this guy a residency as a Latin American advisor to the government. <laughs> this is like appointing David Duke to the local chapter of the NAACP. This is, is just not, <laughs> not good, people. He goes back to London, does the same shit, and gets 800,000 pounds of bonds from the banks again. 800,000 pounds in 1822-ish is equivalent of 102 million pounds in today's dollars, which is around <laughs> $141 million. What the, what the, I don't even understand, what? This is that Eddie Murphy sketch where he puts on white face and just goes into the bank and oh, they just my. give him a suitcase full of money. <laughs> this is exactly that. This is the strangest Old school Ponzi scheme I've ever seen in my entire life. In 1838, though, finally tragedy strikes this man. Finally. But too bad it's in the form of his nice wife dying, Josefina. He sails back to Caracas because he's got nowhere else to go. And that's where he feels like, you know, he, he really felt like somebody. But you'd think if he went back to Caracas, Bolivar's order would still stand. But remember, by this time, it's 1838, Bolivar is not popular. Power corrupts. And McGregor gets an audience with the president, who's an, a new guy, not Bolivar. Obviously, Bolivar was out of favor by that time completely. I believe it was Hugo Chavez by that time. <laughs> and who was the president there? 
a general named Carlos Sabulete. Sabulete remembered McGregor, not from his frauds, not from causing the death of hundreds of people on the fake place he, he built on uh, Mosquito Island, but from Akumar. Subulete was a soldier under McGregor's leadership during the retreat from Akumar. So Subulete in 1838 reinstates McGregor, giving him 25 years of back pay and a pension. He would live out the last seven years of his life there and died in 1845. Finally, a break for the good guys. <laughs> I know. And by the way, it gets worse. It gets so much worse. Today, Justin, today, right now, maybe not in COVID times, but today, if you go to Amelia Island in Florida, you could play putt-putt. At Gregor McGregor's Mini Links and Drinks. It's a real place in Amelia Island. <laughs> they decided to name it after the great fraudster Gregor McGregor. Holy shit. Come down to Gregor McGregor Mini Links and Drinks where we'll pull y'all the best drinks <laughs> on the... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Woof. This guy was a fucking shit show, man. I cannot believe this is. I, I know this was longer than what we've normally done as far as like history episodes go. But my whole vibe with this guy is that the incredible amount of privilege he was able to create for himself at every single step of the way, not just failing up. He he was like succeeding in ways that people that humans should never have been able to succeed, and no one stopped him. And I think it's kind of a classic white guy move, too, that as soon as his wife dies, he takes a boatload of money and goes to Latin America. <laughs> we know what On you're up to. He's like, he's like, for some reason, I miss Caracas all of a sudden. <laughs> On that note, Justin, thank you. Uh, Justin W. Comedy um, no. or Justin, Justin Williams Comedy. JustinWilliamsComedy.com. I don't have a Twitter anymore. No more Twitter. What's your Instagram? I don't have an Instagram. Yeah, you do. Why don't no, you I tell don't. everyone your Instagram? I'm not telling because it's not real yet. When it becomes real, I'll tell you about it. Okay. I love this. I love this bit that we keep doing. I'm going to get in the group text. Though. Okay. You're going to get on the community app. Yeah. 412-285-1255. Uh, we'll, <laughs> what, a, what a fucking episode. Uh, big thanks to Hazel Bryan for producing this episode. Uh, big thanks to David Sinclair's book. Uh, Sir Gregor McGregor and the Land That Never Was. Uh, really amazing stuff here today, guys. And big thanks to Marie Anderson for editing this huge episode. We'll see you next time. This has been a production of Zero Cool Media and The Last Podcast Network. For 25 years. Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. 
Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix.